Hi Scott, this is Chris uh, from the UK. First, I just want to say great podcast. Thanks so much. Um, my business has doubled in the first month I found your podcast and it doubled again in the second month. And business is currently about 10 times what it was less than six months ago. Um, and that growth is down to what I've learned in your podcast. Say what? Wow. Now that right there is the reason why I keep hitting record and doing these podcasts. That right there gets me pumped up. So uh, what do you say? Let's go ahead and get this show on the road. Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 151, session number 42 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions that you submit via voicemail, and I get a chance to give you my advice or my opinion or, well, just my thoughts in general. All right, and you guys know, if you guys have been listening for any period of time or if you've heard these before, you've probably heard me mention how much I enjoy doing these sessions. I really, really, truly do. Uh, I love being able to hear your voice and then answering a question as though we're sitting in the same room, having that cup of coffee that I often talk about that I'm a huge fan of, which I have one right here, by the way. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great way for me to be able to connect with you and answer some of these questions. And, you know, by you guys saying like, oh, wow, this has been awesome, Scott. You've helped me so much. I mean, that right there, it means everything. And it's just, again, my way of, of saying thank you and continuing to do these uh, because you guys are also, you know, reaching out and connecting with me as well. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for just being a listener. I truly, truly appreciate Appreciate each and every one of you. So the other thing I wanted to say really quickly is I did an episode on Wednesday, and that was episode 150, where I talk all about the secrets to being more successful by surrounding yourself with like-minded people and how you can really be more successful in life and in business. And uh, I wanted to share something with you inside of the Facebook group, and this was one of the things I talked about is, you know, in your area, you might find people that are currently doing this, you just don't know that they're doing it, and you can have a little meetup. Well, inside of the Facebook group, in our TAS group, that is, uh, you know, people are doing that currently right now, and I mentioned doing that in the last episode, so as, you know, more people do this, it's going to also bring awareness to it, so for you to be able to meet with people in person that are, you know, doing similar things is also going to allow you to grow and learn together, but also motivate and hold each other accountable, so uh, I wanted to say here, uh, I wanted to just point out some someone that just recently did this, his name is Matt Audit, I believe that's how you pronounce it, maybe not, I'm not that good at pronouncing names, and he just said, is anyone in Denver and interested in a meetup? I'd love to connect face-to-face with some fellow Amazon sellers here at home, and uh, he got a bunch of people that said, you know, one person said, I'm moving there, one said, said I'm in Denver, another person said, let's do this, uh, so Again, it's just proof that if you put something out there and I'm giving you the place to do it, just go into the TAS community, over 21,000 people currently in there, and uh, it's a great way for you to be able to do that. And again, I just want to say, Matt, thank you for uh, posting this and uh, again, just showing people that you just have to go out there and ask and you'll probably receive. All right. So, uh, awesome, awesome job, uh, to everyone that's out there doing that. And if you haven't listened to episode 150, I would strongly suggest going back and checking that out because it will help you with that mindset and also surrounding yourself with like-minded people to help you grow and get to that next level. The other thing I want to mention really, really quickly is if you have not attended one of my live workshops, it's very similar to 
uh, meetup where we can kind of all kind of gather around and hang out where I really go through the five phases of this whole process. And then from there, I stay on, I do live Q&A. So it's another way for me to kind of do like a hangout, but yet all over the world. I have people come in from, you know, all over, all over the world, the UK, Israel, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Germany, um, all over. Uh, and then in, of course in, in the U S as well. So definitely, definitely come over and uh, hang out with us there. Uh, if you want to register for an upcoming workshop, head over to the amazing forward slash workshop. I would love to hang out with you one evening. All right. So let's go ahead now and let's dive into today's question, today's first question. And then what I'll do is I'll give you my answer. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. Hello, Scott. My name is Amir and I listen to your podcast every day. It's kind of a part of my routine at the moment. And you are doing the great job. Keep up the, that good work because it's helping so many people who want to do something, but they don't know how to and where to go and actually do this type of the stuff. And this is really helpful for the person like me itself because I'm just a uh, trying to resemble you as well and trying to build my business at the moment but I, I went through the first hurdles quite easily while listening to your podcast I selected the product researched the market and everything and uh, now at the moment uh, my question is what is the easiest way to find out the customs and the tax duties on the on the actual shipments which I'm going to import from China to USA so if you know any better source or uh, you know any easy way where I can know all this stuff uh, that would be great help to me uh, because at the moment I'm actually quite a, uh, quite a bit struggling with this bit. I couldn't find the customs and the taxes on my shipments because I don't want to be unexpected happen to my shipment. So once again, thanks for all your podcast and I'm waiting to get the answer for this question. Uh, so you keep up with the good work and I really, we guys, we love you and thanks for everything. Hey, Amir, what's up? How you doing, man? Thank you so much for the question. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the kind words, by the way, as well. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the podcast. And I feel honored that you're taking me along with you every single day. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about customs. We've talked about this in the past, but I do get these questions quite often. So let's repeat what I've already said, but we'll also maybe elaborate a little bit. First off, you know, if you're using the uh, customs or the, I'm sorry, the shipping uh, company that your uh, manufacturer, your supplier is using, which that's what I recommend, okay, you're not going to really have to do anything. And we're talking by air right now. If we're talking shipping by air, you, they're going to ship it by, let's just say DHL. And then from there, they're going to ship it into the US to wherever you want them to ship it, okay? But you will have to pay the customs inside of the U.S., whatever that is. And that's the magic question, right? What is that cost going to be? Because I need to be able to plan for that. Well, the truth is you're not going to really have a, an exact price right now, okay? Because there's just no way to know 100%. Now, what you can do is, well, a couple different different things. First off, you want to contact your supplier and say, what is the code that you're using to for this particular product? Okay, because every product is going to have a different classification. That's going to make a big difference as far as what your customs fee will be because it's going to be taxed differently. Okay, so that's the first thing. Once you find out that 
code, then you should contact their shipper. So if they're using DHL, you're going to contact DHL and you're going to say, you're going to contact their customs office, very friendly people. And you're just going to say, I'm importing something from China. It's going to be coming through uh, DHL Air Express, whatever. And uh, this is the code that it's going to be sent in at. What can I expect to pay for customs? They're going to probably say, well, it's going to range between four and 6%, let's say, of your invoice total. So that brings up another point to uh, to understand how much you're going to be paying on. It's going to be paying on the amount of money that that shipment is worth, okay, or that you paid for it, okay. Now, if your uh, manufacturer or supplier adds in your shipping cost into that invoice, now you're going to be paying customs tax on the entire bill, right? You don't want to do that. I actually posted this on episode 32, all the way back on episode 32, and the title of that post was how to avoid my $1,080 shipping mistake, customs fees. And really, just to break it down in a nutshell, is I went ahead and um, I had my manufacturer take care of everything, which they had, and what they did, though, is they rolled the shipping cost, what I paid, another $4,000 or something like that, into the uh, the total overall invoice. So when the customs office is looking at this, or the customs people are looking at this, they're looking at the overall price was like ten grand, right? So because of that, I paid you know a higher tax, too, because as your order size increases when it's coming through customs, then you go into more of a manual process, and then the customs fee goes up and all of that stuff. So there's not really a, an exact uh, you know way to calculate this. What I would say is, number one, try to, especially in the beginning, try to keep your orders coming through you know, at $2,500 or less, if you can't do that, then you're going to expect to pay a higher percentage on that, okay? And I can't say exactly what that will be. You can get an idea, a range, if you call the customs office. That's one way to do it. Now, I had a lady last night that was on one of our private hangouts for the class, and uh, she's one of our new students, and she was asking you know, how much should I allow for customs? And that's really a tricky question. My answer to her or reply to her was always figure in a little bit of a cushion into your margin. And what I mean by this is if you are, if you're uh, having all of your, your pricing come down to, you know, how much does the product cost to get manufactured? How much did the shipping cost? How much is it going to cost to get into um, Amazon FBA for that shipping fee? What's it going to cost for my labels? All of that stuff. Like that's the hard cost, right? So it's, let's say it's $5, right? And let's say that now you're looking at a product that you could potentially sell for $12. Well, that's not really a lot of margin because your FBA fees are going to be at least five bucks. So now you're at $10. You only got $2 on a margin there, right? Or profit. So whenever I tell anyone or explain to anyone about finding a product, you want to make sure you have enough margin in there. And even if you don't have enough margin in at the beginning, you want to make sure that your margin can increase uh, by you having more reviews, let's say. So you're going to start getting more sales and all that stuff. But if you really are cutting it close in the beginning, you have no room. You have no wiggle room for any type of mistakes or any learning um, and any learning curves that might come at you like a mistake like that there. Like if you if you didn't figure on spending an extra $500 on customs on that order and then you get it in and you see, oh my gosh, I only ordered 500 units, but it's going to cost me an extra dollar per unit, but I only figured that I was going to make $2. Now I'm only making a dollar, 
right? So that's why you want to give yourself some room in there, some wiggle room uh, with you know any type of vari- variables that may come at you. So I know that wasn't a direct answer, but you can get an idea by calling the customs office um, of that man or, or of that shipper. So in this case, let's say it's DHL or let's say it's FedEx. Um, any of those, you want to contact them uh, in the actually in the in the. Uh, country that it's being received in. So if you're shipping it to the U.S., you're going to want to call DHL in the U.S. Um, so hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, again, thank you for listening to the podcast, being a, uh, a loyal listener, and I appreciate it. And uh, hey, it's been nice talking. So uh, get out there and, uh, and keep with it. All right, buddy. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. This is Chris uh, from the UK. First, I just want to say great podcast. Thanks so much. Um, my business is doubled in the first month I found your podcast and it doubled again in the second month and business is currently about 10 times what it was less than six months ago Um, and that growth is down to what I've learned in your podcast. So my question, I've just listened to podcast 126 where you talk about how your margins are being affected and you talked about how you've been setting your price up and down every few days to spike sales. Do you simply change the price or do you use the sale price facility on Amazon? Um, for example, if I saw two products, one at fourteen ninety five and one at fourteen ninety five reduced from nineteen ninety five, I would instinctively buy the one on sale as I would think I'd be getting a better deal. I just appreciate your thoughts on this and whether you've used it and what you think of it. Secondly, on a similar pricing theme, have you ever used a pricing variation to introduce a budget option to your pod- product? I'm thinking about doing this, and I have to. Uh, and as I could keep my existing pricing and margins of my existing products, but offer a budget-friendly value option, which could be used to tempt people to the listing and then hopefully get them to upgrade. Anyway, just to appreciate your thoughts on these. Cheers, man. Great show. Take care. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for the question. And uh, thank you so much for all of that uh, feedback and update and everything from you listening to the podcast and that kind of growth, man. That is awesome. And uh, I'm so glad that you're doing so well. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really excited for you and really pumped up. And thank you for sharing that uh, with me and and with the TAS audience. So thank you. Uh, Yeah. So it's a great, great question and a great uh, topic actually is pricing. Uh, You know, and you brought up a couple of pretty cool little ideas there, I think as well. And first off, let's just kind of talk a little bit about this, you know, pricing up and down thing. Okay. Now, depending on the time of year, depending on the competition, you know, you may want to just reduce your price a little bit, maybe a couple dollars just to spike sales because Amazon is based off of price for the most part. So shoppers are also geared for price. And if you have a very similar product, by you lowering your price, you can spike sales generally. Um, and by doing this, this is going to help you then start getting some sales volume again. Okay, without hardly doing anything other than just lowering your price, then bringing it back up and so on. If you're in the fourth quarter or you're in a busy season for whatever product you sell, that's also a time that you would start to slowly increase your price because now the demand is up. It's kind of like the whole, you know, gas prices, right? They're always going up and down. Um, so that's a great, great way to be able to uh, continually do that. Okay. Now you also talked about possibly. Um, well, let me talk about the first thing you talked about. Do you go ahead and just change the overall price or do you change it as a sale price? I always put in a manufactured price. Then I put in a list price and then I put in a sale price. So you have like manufactured price is twenty nine ninety five, And then the list price is going to be 
uh, let's say, let's, I don't know, like $24.95. And then the sale price is going to be $19.95. The beauty of doing that is psychologically to your, um, to your customers, they see that it's been crossed out. You can see that little line that's crossed out and it says sale price. So when anybody sees a sale, it seems good, right? I mean, we're just wired that way. I mean, look at Walmart, look at Target, look at all those places. It's all built off of, you know, regular price, list price, sale price, right? And that just gets people to think they're getting a good deal, which, you know, for the most part they are because you, if you are selling that at any point in time for a certain price, and I don't say to go and inflate your price just to inflate it, but you got to use, you know, your head on this one and you got to use common sense, right? So that's definitely something that I do. I don't, uh, I don't put out there just the one price. I don't just put out the list price or the manufacturer price and that's it. And then just keep changing that. I want it to show as it's a, it's a, it's a reduced price. You're going to see a percentage of savings. Um, that's important too. That's a little mental driver for people that are shopping. So yeah, I, that, that's how I do it. That's how I would recommend doing it as well. Now, moving on to the second part of this, and it kind of comes down to like something that I, call price anchoring. It's where you, and I didn't come up with that. It's, I've heard it before, but it's kind of what I refer to price anchoring is when you have something that establishes like a price, but then you also see now a similar product or maybe like you said, a budget, you know, you know, uh, option. And then that there shows that the regular price or, you know, the main price for the main product is, you know, $19.95, but you can get a budget version for $14.95. So that also anchors the price that you, if you're trying to sell the low price item at $14.95, but you have one that's there just as a price anchor, just as a price anchor, like you can do this in reverse, right? You can also have it where you can sell um, the one product for $19.95, but then the other one for $14.95, but then when you run pay-per-click, you're going to run it to the $14.95 to get people interested when they see the ad. When they click on that, they're going to click in, and they're going to see that there's a better option, and then they're going to choose that option, okay? But you can also have it where, let's say you had three different bundles. Let's say you had, like I said, let's say that you wanted to sell the middle bundle. The middle bundle is probably the, you know, the one that you're going to sell the most of because it's like a middle price. Or you could have one that's a low price, you know, for a single unit. Then you can have one for, you know, a three pack and then a five pack. And maybe the five pack, you're not going to sell as many, but it shows that it's a bigger price. So people see a bigger number, then they see the middle. I'm going to take the middle. See, so it's kind of like a price anchor as well. Um, but I think also just having two products in a budget and more of a, uh, you know, a premium. Well, people might want to pick the premium because there's people that want premium stuff, right? So that's where you would have, you know, the price anchor is there. And if you sell some great, but the price anchor is really there to establish the value of that. And then when they see the other one, it seems like it's less expensive. So I like that. It's a great strategy. I would definitely play around with that. I've ran um, promotions where I have, and I still do, where I have uh, four variations and uh, it goes from like small, medium, large, and then bundle um, where you can get all of them. And then, uh, but the the small one is going to be the, the least expensive. And I've noticed that, yes, I sell them, but I also then sell the bundles and I also sell a few of the others. So it's a great way to really broaden out a very, very similar product. Uh, but you don't want to cut corners to where you're going to have a budget product where it's a piece of junk either, right? You're, because then that's going to come back to, uh, to bite you. But if you have something that comes with different features and like different things, that's good. Uh, and then if you have something that is a, more like a stripped down version that only comes with the one thing, then that's where you can kind of do that price anchoring type stuff. All right. So hopefully this has helped you. Um, congratulations, by the way. I'm really, really excited for you. Keep, uh, keep me posted 
And then this way here, maybe I can even have you back on and uh, we can we can talk about that. Or, hey, maybe we can have a, even have you on the podcast at some point. Hmm, maybe. Maybe we could do that. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, my name is David Saldivar. And um, first of all, just like everybody else, I want to commend you and uh, you know for, for, for doing everything that you have and putting all the information out there that we need to be successful, as well as to um, you know, ensure that we are obviously getting things done quicker um, than we would if, you know, if we didn't have your help. So, um, you know, I have a mentor that I've hired and I don't need him as much, um, you know, for all those minor details and uh, as, as you filled in those gaps. So thanks again, man, for, for, uh, you know, saving me some money too. So, um, Hey, my question is, man, um, my name is David. I don't know if I mentioned that yet, but, um, but my question is I, uh, had just sold my business and it, it didn't really, you know, dive into, you know, your training or, or get trained, um, as soon as I should have. So when I invested, I invested in a few different product lines, um, actually I have four product lines and, uh, five products. Um, but with that, my thoughts are there's some, there's a good thing and there's some good and bad with this, you know, good is that I can, you know, basically take, all of those, you know, products and see which one does best and reinvest in the one that's doing the greatest and uh, really, you know, grow that product and that product line within that, that product within that product line and branch out. Um, that's my thought. And, um, really just want to kind of see what your thoughts are on that. I guess I really don't have any other choice, but to do that or, you know, what are your thoughts about me just, uh, you know, spreading myself out and reinvesting all of those products into himself, into themselves and really broadening all four of those product lines uh, as much as I can. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, wanted to get your feedback and, and, and hear what you had to th- say about that. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate your quick feedback. And thanks again, man. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for the question and thanks for the kind words as well. I appreciate it. And it sounds like you uh, you have a, a pretty good opportunity here that you have like four different product lines that you're able to kind of like dabble in, right? And kind of see like which one is going to do uh, better than the others. Or you can also then maybe test all of those, right? Now, my opinion on this, okay, and it really comes down to a, an individual and their situation and how much cash flow they have to continually, you know, promote and really push each one. But I'm just a big believer in trying to focus on one at a time and then really putting all of your effort behind that. So, me personally, I would look at this as a great opportunity for you to be able to test four different markets or four different product types. And then from there, once you start to see one is starting to rise above the rest, I would take all of my energy or at least 75% of my energy and I would start focusing on that one and how I can make it better, how I can refine my pay-per-click, how I can make the user experience better, how I can roll out new products, all of that stuff. That's what I would be focusing on because I do believe that if you focus on you know more of what's working, it's going to continually work better, right? I mean, it just makes sense. And I think if you start to get scattered, you're going to start 
you know, trying to, you know, take time away from this one to put over here, not, you know, not just time, but money as well. And then it just limits the amount of effort and, and, and uh, you know, focus that you can have on that one particular line. And we say product lines because like you said, you could then take and start, br- you know, branching off of that one product line and start to really, uh, you know, expand other products around the uh, product or products that are doing really well. Um, and then from there, you could build, you know, an authority blog or, you know, e-commerce space. And I mean, there's so much you can do once you start to see a little bit of success. And then you see that this is something that I feel like I can put more work and, and uh, you know, more time and effort into. And then that will yield you, uh, you know, I think a greater success moving forward. But that's just my personal opinion. Some people, they can, you know, say, I'm going to spread it out and do it on all of them, I don't know that that's going to be um, your best choice. So again, this is just my opinion, just my advice. If we were sitting down together at the coffee shop, as I always say, um, I'd be saying, you know what, Dave, I I think you should just focus on that one. That one is doing okay right now, right? So imagine if you could go ahead and put some more, you know, effort behind that and really start broadening that out and start thinking a little bit more of a long long-term play, that's what I would do. All right, so hopefully this has been helpful. Good luck to you. Let's go ahead and listen to one more quick question, and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, it's Albert. Just wanted to ask, do you use a project management software suite uh, to manage your vendors and the uh, schedules of inventory deliveries uh, and just the basic steps that you have to move through to get a product to Amazon? Uh, I've heard of Microsoft Project and many other uh, scheduling software is wondering if you use any project management management software. Thank you. Hey, Albert, thank you so much for the question. And uh, it's a quick question. I love it because uh, I can go ahead and answer this one pretty quickly. Uh, the answer is no, I don't use really a project management system. I'm using air quotes. You guys can't see me, but I'm using them. Um, no, nothing against them. Um, I think it just depends on your business and you know how much um, you need to be able to manage all of the aspects of your business. For me personally, if you have you know 10 products or less, it's pretty easy to just, you know, kind of like manage things in a spreadsheet. Um, now, I did a post on uh, the top eight tools I use every day in my Amazon business, and I put number one is powerful. Well, that number one tool, and that episode was 135, by the way, so if you wanted to check that out, that was theamazingseller.com forward slash 135, and that number one most powerful tool in my mind, um, when you're, especially in this case, when we're talking about like management type stuff, was using your Google Gmail account, your Google Drive, all of the tools that come in there, you have spreadsheets, uh, you know, you have all of that stuff inside of there that you get to use as part of Gmail. Um, so that's what I use. I use uh, Google Docs a lot and you can create separate tabs that the tabs will then open up a brand new spreadsheet and you can really keep things organized and you can also share them. You can, you know, have those sheets also, um, you know, uh, be available to you if you're traveling and you wanted to just log in from a public computer, you can still get at them, all of that stuff. So I really like that. It's simple. It's really, really simple. It's it's kind of like a glorified version of having a notebook um, and having uh, columns and then you just color code the, co- the columns and, and keep track of the things you want to keep track of. Um, so that's me personally. That's what I use. Um, that's what I'm going to continue to use. I use it 
for everything, by the way, not just that. I use it for also my goal setting and all of that stuff and keeping track on that and, uh, you know, everything that I can to keep organized in one place, I keep it there. So um, that is your uh, your Google Drive that comes with uh, Gmail and your Google Plus account and all of that fun stuff. So definitely go over and check that out if you haven't done so. So I don't really have any cool, sexy tools that I can share with you on that. Uh, but uh, I would say uh, check out Google uh, Docs, and I think you'll you'll see that it's pretty simple stuff. Um, and again, if you guys wanted to check that out, the top eight tools I use every day in my Amazon business, because I do think that you know some people think that you have got to have all of these really slick tools, and you really don't. You just got to have the ones that are going to get the job done. Um, and I like to keep things simple, and uh, that's what I do. So that one there is episode one thirty five. All right, so guys, that is pretty much gonna wrap this episode up of Ask Scott. If you have a question, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can ask me a question. Just leave your first name and then just leave a uh, a message there or a question and uh, I'll do my best to air it on an upcoming show of Ask Scott, all right? So once again, guys, oh, one last thing. If you guys wanted to hang out again live with me on a Google Hangout, we're going to go ahead and do a live workshop. And I'm doing these on a regular basis. You can go and register for one, the upcoming one that is, by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And what we do there is we go through the five phases for picking a product, sourcing uh, a product, and then from there pre-launching, and then launching, and then promoting, all of that fun stuff. And then from there, we answer live Q&A at the end. I love doing them. It's another way for me to be able to connect with you more on a face-to-face level and where we really are in one room together. So definitely go over and register for that if you haven't done so already. And I would look forward to seeing you on that live workshop. All right. So that is it, guys. That is it for today. Have an awesome, amazing weekend. If it is the weekend when you're listening to this, if not, have a great week. And remember, okay, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me. Let's say it together. Let's say it out loud. Let's say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you in the next episode.